Hallelujah. Everybody in the house, lift your hands. Lord, I pray that you pour more than before. Lord, you pour out in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, in our vision, in our dream. Lord, in our families. Lord, that you are the God of breakthrough like many waters. I pray that you flood us with your joy and your grace. Lord, baptize this house with joy now. Baptize us with grace. Lord, give us eyes to evangelize. Give us a heart that beats with yours. Give us eyes to see and hands that gather. Lord, I pray that we would be a place that is safe for the lost to be found in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it tonight, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. How good is God? Come on, praise him like he done something for you. Praise the Lord. Oh. Oh, man. You know, sometimes I do this to myself. I, I sit and meditate on what my life would have been like if Jesus had not intercepted me. And it's a very emotional thing to do. I mean, I've got issues just like everybody else. Except I think sometimes my issues require you to have tissues for my issues. Come on, somebody. And the poverty I came out of and the pedigree that I don't have. During worship tonight, I was remembering, I was remembering I was in service as a 14 or 15 year old young man just newly saved and I didn't have any idea about protocol and, and pastors going and you still don't but anyway <laughs> and it was during a service and I ran up to the pastor during the service and I grabbed him he's trying to do church I just came out of the pew and ran up and grabbed him young man what what's going on here I said I'm struggling with very intense insecurity we, we had a church full of people I'm confessing my insecurity like you would think I would be too insecure to tell everybody how insecure I was and it's in the middle of the sir he's getting ready to take the offering or receive the offering or something and I remember he turned at me I'll, I'll never forget it he said, young man, he didn't even know who I was. He said, go and claim the promises of God over your life, and you'll never be the same. And I walked down, and I've never stopped doing that. And it was that moment tonight in the worship that I went back there that got my heart moving toward those of you who were hurting, who were hurting, who God is now healing. Let me, let me just tell you something. Our lives with God are so much better than our lives without God. <laughs> Amen. So how many of you are thankful that the Lord found you and saved you? Amen. You may be seated. Let me, let me talk to you a little bit out of God's word for a moment. How many of y'all appreciate this worship team, Ken? 
going to preach from a table tonight, except it's too tall. In the back row, you're like, how did they get a talking head on top of a table? Oh, funny. Amen. I don't have much time, or, or I, do, I don't want to take the time to uh, elaborate on all that's in my heart tonight, but I just want to say a few things. Sir, you can just stay up there, but when I need you, I need you to help me out back me up later and then I want you to be like a like a black guy when I come back to you amen <laughs> don't play Dwayne Vanderclock music when the age is in the house <laughs> I need something I know you got favor but I need some flavor along with your favor amen somebody <laughs> praise the Lord I, I gotta get I gotta get some soul working up in here I gotta get some urban working Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I believe that the door uh, of our choices swings on the hinges of what we believe about ourselves. The door of our decisions swings on the hinges of our ability to appraise accurately our identity. In other words, when you don't understand your value, no one else will. When you don't understand who God has made you to be, if you don't have a, not just a conceptional ascent to it, but an actual realization of how much you're loved by God, that God's not mad at you, he's mad about you, that uh, there is a exceedingly abundantly great power on the inside of you. I heard one, uh, I was talking to one of my friends and we always quote, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And I, I want to expand that a little bit, and I don't even know if this is biblical, but, but the he that God has made you to be, not just the Jesus on the inside of you, but the you on the inside of you, is greater than anything you're facing in your life. Who God has identified you as and made you to be is greater than anything because you're made in his image and he's with you in you and he's for you and he's empowered you and he's saved you and and the the devil's greatest in my opinion greatest weapon against mankind is talking them out of who they are and then when you don't know who you are you cannot stand in who you are so then you're looking you're on this search we get in this search for someone to define us. And so we'll let that gunny define us. We'll let that man define us. We'll let that woman define us. We'll let that money define us. We'll let that car define us. We'll let that house, we'll let that jewelry define us. We'll let, we'll let who we run with define us. We'll let where we go on vacation define us. We get, and, and we get all of this exterior defining stuff Operating, and then when we buy into it, we find out that it doesn't really satisfy because identity is lived from the inside out, not the outside in. 
Are you following me? So, our, so then we make uh, poor decisions, hurtful decisions. We allow ourselves to get painted into corners where people hurt us, abuse us, devalue us, dismiss us. And then that stuff lodges itself in our soul. And then our soul isn't whole. And then we come into a situation, we come into situations in our life where we are in this search and then we try to get our questions answered by people who are in the same search as us. And there's, it's this vicious cycle when, when you cannot have somebody define you that hasn't been settled on, defined in, on the definition of themselves also. And Jesus is the one who put the value on you. God the Father is the one who defines you. Your self-worth is, is based on to the believing and attaching your belief to the person or to the, to the person who has the highest, that you give the highest opinion to in your life. And so when you allow your parentage or your upbringing or your divorce or your ex or, or your failure or whatever happened to you define you, you're, we sometimes give that more defining power than the heavenly father. And then we make decisions based on that and that our lives get funky. So this is what, what Jesus called us out of. Because how many would admit that that condition would be correctly categorized as lost? That's lost. That's how lost people roll. They don't know who they are. They're lost. And they're, you know, you know, it's a, you got me going in circles. Right? If I had a black uh, keyboard, it's like, womp, 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 womp. <laughs> but it's all right, it's all right. I mean, I'll be up here and be playing the Beach Boys in a minute or something. I don't know what's gonna happen. So let me, go with me, if you will, very quickly to John chapter 15 because I wanna pray for the lost people in our lives that we love. How many of y'all have somebody that you love that's lost? Raise your hand. Look at Pastor, look at that. It's the whole place. You would, the church would triple if all the people that you love that are lost got found in 2017. We'd have to have six services in the new building on Sunday, and I would not come and preach six services on Sunday. Amen, somebody. But, but uh, so how many of you have prodigal kids that right here and right now, that they, they were raised right, but they're acting wrong. They're deciding wrong. How many have kids like that? And, and we're going to pray for them tonight. And we're going to keep storming heaven's gates and putting our foot down in 2017 till our kids come home. Amen. Remember when Jesus told the Pharisees, man, I feel God's anointing. I almost feel like the Holy Spirit saying, shut up. Stop talking. Let me do stuff in people's life. Except I'm ignoring that voice. But uh, just kidding. I, the Lord wants to do something with lost people tonight. And faith is going to come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And I, I can't, the Holy Spirit's not going to let me preach very long. 
but I just want to get our faith there. I want you to understand the value that God puts on the lost and that you are not alone in your heart for them, that your heart is really beating with God's heart for them. And so, uh, but, but I, I, I'm not even going to finish what I was saying. Let me, let, me, let me just jump to Luke chapter 15. So uh, now all X gathers and the sinners were coming to him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners <laughs> and eats with them. Now, these are the religious leadership, the, the, the thermostat sen, setters, if you will, of the religious landscape or even the spiritual landscape among people. This region, and Jesus is eating with all the wrong people. He's hanging with all the wrong people. And here, the, the, the religious leadership of the, of the day is calling into question what the Lord Jesus is doing hanging out with these people. And, and so this is, this is, the, the, uh, this is the, the condition in which Jesus then shares these parables of lost things being found. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. So uh, Luke 15 is the chapter where the lost things are identified, but they're found, and then the appropriate response of heaven to lost things being found. So let me just tee this up. Religious people don't understand grace. They don't understand grace. I, I will say this, that religious people don't understand loyalty, in act, manufacture and invent violations to get the attention off of their inaccurate living onto manufactured violations that they appraise in others. And so here you've got a religious dynamic in these Pharisees and these, these religious people, and they are, they are uh, projecting their inaccurate living and creating a violation that Jesus is actually inaccurate in his uh, navigation of the planet because he's eating with sinners. And when we sing, you know, I want to be more like Jesus, but we push away people that are sinners, then we're not being more like Jesus, we're being more like Pharisees. Now, I don't want you to get mad at me, but it wouldn't fly if, if prostitutes were washing my feet with their tears and wiping it with their hair. We in age, he was with this with the town prostitute, and he and Pastor Dwayne were having some salmon, and she was under the table crying on their feet, wiping it with her hair. Oh my God! But that's what Jesus did. You want to be more like Jesus? I saw Hage and Vanderclock sitting at a well with a Samaritan woman who had five marriages and was living with somebody. Yeah, that's because we're being like Jesus. Now, am I giving myself permission to act and do questionable things? No, I'm a married man, and I'm not going to do that because, not because Jesus wouldn't want me to, but because Daniil wouldn't, and I'm not, I'm not sure which one I fear more, okay? <laughs> 
I'm not starting a strip club uh, ministry here uh, uh, and headed up by our very own pastor. Everybody after church, here we go. We're going to go be like Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the heart here is that we don't label people the through the filters of our religious ideologies, but we look at people through the eyes of grace. Amen? Amen. And I'm sure I'll get some correction back in the green room after the service about that. Okay, so they are in a disposition of being offended. Look at him, he's eating. They're, they're grumbling, they grumble and, and turned it to the reproach of our Lord Jesus himself. Look at him, he's the great hanging out with lost people. They were angry that sinners had the grace of God allowed to them. They were blown away that Jesus called them to think a new way and to change their minds about God. Jesus encouraged the lost person he was eating with and hanging out with to hope for pardon. That connection with God was not just reserved for the privileged, for their but to all who were weary and heavy laden, who needed rest for their souls. These religious, self-righteous people thought it a disparagement to Christ and inconsistent with the dignity of his character to make himself familiar with such sort of people. To admit them into his company and to eat with them. It was from this place that Jesus begins to speak the parables of Luke 15. Lost being found has a profound effect on heaven and God's heart. When a new you catapults to the forefront, it is joyful to God. So let's look at verse 2 or 3. And he told them parables saying... What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, has lost one of them and does not leave the 99 and, uh, and to the open pasture and go after the one which is lost unto He finds it, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together all of his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. So let's talk about this. When we go our own sinful way, we are lost sheep. When we're before Jesus, we're lost sheep. We've gone astray. So a lost sheep, very quickly, number one, is lost to clue. Not in that God doesn't know where the sheep is, but in that his life does not include the honor and the service due the Lord. He doesn't know where God is. God knows where he is. Two, he's lost to the flock. He has lost connection with the community of faith. He has no communion with people of like precious faith. He's lost to God. He's lost to the flock. And then he's lost to himself. The sheep knows not only he is, he wanders endlessly and is continually exposed to the beasts of prey, subject to frights and terrors out from under the shepherd's care and not wanting and, and wanting the green pastures but he himself cannot find his way back into the fold the shepherd must go and find him and bring him home 
When precious people find themselves weary and worn and wounded and worried, it is the result of their wandering. And Jesus will track them down and rescue them and then rejoice in them being found. All of those people that were attached to all of those hands, that were attached to all of those hearts that just happened here, Jesus wants to track them down and find them. Your heart is in that condition because some heart is conditioned to God's heart. Now let's talk about the lost son. I'll come to the coin in a moment because the coin represents value. And again, our self-worth is attached to our value and I want to hit that one the hardest. So here, this, uh, this certain man has two sons. You know the story of the prodigal son. But the end result is the same. Verse 32 says, but when he, uh, but we had to be married. The older son was saying, hey, why, why are we doing? He said, we had to be merry and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and now is found. We had to rejoice. See, sometimes a rude awakening comes before a spiritual awakening. And the prodigal son is about to eat pig food and then he, then he had a spiritual awakening. It woke him up to whose household he belonged to. The, the, the younger son voices in an identity crisis and, and, and he, it caused him to make poor choices about his life. But the Bible says in verse 17 that when he came to his senses, when he changed the way he was thinking, he immediately said the reflex reaction of coming to my senses is I will go to my father and to my father house and we the evidence of us coming to our senses is that we rush to God's house we run to God and say I'll even be a servant in God's house I just lose get to my father's house and so often when we lose our way we try to stay away from our father's house because we're embarrassed of our performance. That's not the way God rolls. That's not God's heart. That's not the situation. He's looking at the lost from afar waiting to kill the fatted calf and get the sandals and get the ring and, and, and call everybody together and throw a party and say the lost, my son, well, we had to rejoice. We had to be merry. The fill that one that was lost is now found we got to stop judging ourselves through the filters of our mistakes and judge ourselves through the filters of his mercy and his rejoicing when the lost are found and those who were dead come back to life amen somebody we got to get off of this judgmentalism man he eats with sinners and yet that's what we were and aren't we glad because he broke bread with us before he put us in posi perfect position with him? We're not perfect in our performance, but we are perfect in our position. Hmm. Hebrews chapter 13 says, the Lord's never going to leave us or forsake us. Listen, listen to me. Your prodigal kids, those loved ones, they have not been lost or left. By God, they're not lost to God, and they haven't been left by God. They're just out there running and gunning, 
trying to fill the hole in their soul with something besides the man with the hole in his hand. But let me tell you something. God will fly on the wings of our prayers and he will press past their will and save their life. I promise you Saul of Tarsus had no intention of going from a murderer to a minister, but the prayers of the saints invaded his disposition and then it was like, whoa. And he became one of the greatest Christians in history. Why? Because somebody in Damascus was praying. And all I know is somebody in Grand Rapids, Grandville, Grand Haven, wherever the grandness we are in the world right now, it's just a grand place, praise the Lord. But all I know is we're going to have some grand prayer to bring in the lost into the house of God and set their trajectory toward heaven. Amen? So let's look at this lost coin. This is what I really want to dial in on. Or what woman, verse 8, has ten silver coins, and when she leaves, one does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully. The King James says, looks diligently until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends, her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who changes the way that they think about the Lord. So the coin represents value. This woman lost her sight of her value. And when we lose sight of our value, we will make choices below our Christ-like character, out of lack rather than abundance, defeat as opposed to victory, rejection rather than acceptance, fear instead of faith in who God says that we are. We start performing instead of resting in the grace of God. By grace you're saved, not that of yourselves. It's not a work thing, lest any man should boast. And how we are saved is how we stay saved and live saved, by grace. When we lose sight of our value, when we lose sight of the fact that we are new creations, that old things have passed away, behold, new things have come, it will affect the way we decide. And when we get in those places, let's take the lesson from this lady. What did she do? She lost sight of her value, so she lit a lamp. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Whenever we lose sight of our value or the value of people, let's get God's word on it. Let's not talk about them to one another. Let's pray for them. Let's not go, this man eats with sinners. Let's start praying and ask God to go meet with sinners instead of, of, of us worrying about if we're going to eat with sinners. When we light a lamp, we get God's word, what God says on, on who we are and where we're at and where we're going. And, and we get God's word about you shining brighter than what you see or what you feel. God's word will pull you from confusion that is in darkness and catapult you into clarity that comes from knowing who you are in Christ. The only, listen, there's only two kinds of people on the planet, those who are looking for Jesus and those who have found him. The only reason why they're in that condition is because they're still looking like you were before you found him. And the Apostle Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. Uh, New Living Translation, whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results. 
For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it wasn't me, but it was God working through me by his grace. Light a lamp. You're righteous. You're forgiven. You are a new creation. You have the mind of Christ. You have God's wisdom because you asked for it. You're highly and favored. You're blessed. You're more than enough. You're going to have the outpour of more than before. And all of that has got to be directed toward the people that you raised your hand about. When you get in the gravy, don't drown in the gravy. Pass the gravy, baby. Pass the gravy. We got to make it available and attractive to people who have lost their compass. Light a lamp, then sweep the house. Get rid of every thought. Sweep out every thought that doesn't line up with what God's thought about you and about the lost and their identity and your identity. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Make your every thought obey what Jesus' obedience purchased for you and your new identity. We got to stop making this about our obedience as much as his obedience. It was through the obedience of one that sin entered, and it was through the obedience of another that righteousness entered. If we will just rest in Christ's obedience and the grace that happened, our Christianity will not depend so much on us being perfect, but us believing that God has put us in perfect position. It's quiet in here. You bring nothing to the table. You're just invited to the table. God called you. You can't add or take away from your salvation by being good or not being good. What is it? I got my left foot in. I got my left foot out. I got my left 43 and then I shake it. What if my foot is out when Jesus comes back? I've been in the ministry for 43 years. I don't plan on taking my foot out, but what if he comes when I'm arguing with Daniil? Or wait, her arguing with me. (laughs) I don't get to make it. What happens if I'm angry? What happens? No, no, come on. It was the obedience of one. Bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Not your obedience. You have to obey that he obeyed. I'm not saying go be disobedient. You're not punished for your sins anymore. You're punished punished by your sins. This this whole idea that that we add or take away from our salvation. No, your heaven is secured. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable and the first gift is salvation. God loves you, man. Now, I don't think you should live close to the line. I think you should live as close to Jesus as possible. But man, it's all about him and not about us. It's all about the lost coming into contact with his grace that will rescue them and cause them to rest in their souls. Amen? And so, so uh, the Apostle Paul says, I'm conscious of nothing against myself. Sweep your house. Get rid of the negative thoughts and conversations about yourself. Christ, say what God says about you. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. And then the lastly, seek diligently. Search carefully until you find it. And this is what I want to challenge us to do. There's lost people that are lost. 
that we gotta get busy in 2017 finding them and looking diligently until we find them. Amen? And we gotta seek them and be all to find them. We gotta, Second uh, Peter 1, 10 them, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling, to make certain, diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you do this, you'll never be offended. When we lose sight of who we are and who has called us and whose name we've been called by, we actually position ourselves to be offended. Let's just agree on what we agree on. Not everybody's going to agree on everything, but can we agree that God is good? He saves our lives. Amen, somebody? Look diligently. I want to tell you parents. I want to tell you precious people. I want to tell you people that have loved ones that need Jesus, never, ever, ever give up. Never stop. Never sell yourself short. God's grace is made you brand new, and he will make them brand new. You have new thoughts, a new life, new confidence, new breakthrough, new abundance, new favor, new relationships, new hope, new favor, new prosperity. New 17 is going to be the happy new you year. Not happy new year, but happy new you year. And I'm believing for a harvest of the lost to come into this house like hasn't happened in a long, long time. I'm believing that there's going to be an outpour of the Spirit of God that will be a magnet to lost people. That God will give our pastor vision and understanding on how to be a magnet on the lost that we will that that God will give the team revelation on how not to just make decisions but make disciples of all men that we will raise up an army of young people that we will raise up an army of college and career age young people that that there that our marriages will be stronger than ever that our senior ministries will be stronger than ever that our giving will be stronger than ever that our missions and church planting endeavors will be stronger than ever i believe this is the year it's going to take a turn it's going to get have our poor. This is the year when your life is going to experience more fulfillment. And the loss are going to come in and you're going to rejoice. What else could I do but be merry and be rejoicing? Because my son that was lost is now found. He was dead and now he's alive. That disposition is going to mark this house in the next 12 months of the year in Jesus' name. And this moment has got to be seized by faith. So you're here tonight and you have, everybody has somebody that needs Jesus. So can we just agree in the next six minutes, we're gonna end in six minutes because I feel pastor feeling like I need to end in six minutes, praise the Lord. But, and, and I need to be fair to you so you come back tomorrow night. Uh, but I wanna pray for the lost. So would you mind standing, and can you help me out, man? With all sincerity, I was just playing with you before. Uh, unless you play something I don't like. Mm -hmm. the, amen. That's the, there you go. And will you just lift your right hand to God? That's the side of God that Jesus sits on. That's the salvation side. That's turning to your strong side. And I want you to get a picture of the person or persons like I'm sure the Christians in Damascus got a picture of 
Saul of Tarsus making his way to persecute them. And they just got him in the crosshairs of their prayers. And Jesus went and arrested him right in the middle of his plans and saved him. And I believe this prayer and our fasting and our believing is activating our spiritual antennas for the lost and the heart of God. And that God is going to hear this prayer tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up every single one of these precious people. Some families have sons and daughters that have gone astray. Some have loved ones that are just out doing their own thing, living for the devil, running for the devil, on the highway to hell. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus and all of his power that you will interrupt that course even now. And God, that you would invade their life. Fly on the wings of these prayers, Lord Jesus. And lost these precious ones, these lost sheep, these lost sons and daughters, these lost coins of value. Lord, in the name of Jesus, fly on the wings of these prayers and invade them wherever they are tonight. Lord, and interrupt their plans and show yourself strong. And Lord, save their lives and let rejoicing mark this house. For that which was lost is now found. That which was blind now sees. That which was dead has been made alive because of the risen Christ and the power of his love and the glory of his name. And it is in that great name that we pray. Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. Amen and amen. Now praise the Lord. Believe him.